Hello, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Stranova Strategic Edge, an audio program exploring the intersection between cutting-edge business strategies and the innovations that can ignite business growth from the edges of the business ecosystem. It's one of several podcast series on the subject of strategic innovation in business offered by Stranova, a resource group dedicated to helping you achieve and capitalize on the incredible potential available for your own business. With their over 30 years of experience leading innovation, we know what it takes to turn ideas into profits. Please visit us to learn more at www.stranova.com. And now, please join us for this week's episode of Stranova Strategic Edge. In June 2005, Apple Computer announced something that would change the way we learn, interact, and listen to each other in a dramatic way. They announced that their worldwide and rule-changing digital music store, organizer, and player, iTunes, would start featuring something called podcasts. And even more importantly, people like you and I could actually upload them to Apple, or at least upload our listings to Apple, for free. And Apple would help distribute the word about them worldwide at no cost to us. They opened this part of the store with a sampling of some of the bigger names in podcasting at that time, and within two days issued a press release that, as of June 30, 2005, iTunes had logged requests for over 2 million podcast subscriptions from its customer base. Approximately six weeks later, on August 11, 2005, we here at Stranova launched the first of our interview series with strategic innovators on the subject of regenerative system thinking with the founder and principal of Interactive Inc., Carol Sanford. On this first birthday of our own first podcast, we'd like to use this episode of Stranova Strategic Edge to examine the world of podcasting more thoroughly, provide some idea of numbers and trends associated with the business side of this, and suggest how to evolve this media even further in the future. The concept of podcasting, as it is generally thought of these days, is, in popular terms, about allowing someone to download either audio or video content on demand to a portable music device such as an iPod or other MP3 player. The reality is that the concept of downloading multimedia files on demand has actually been around long before the iPod was even on the market, as those of you who may be familiar with the notorious history of the original music file sharing service, Napster, may recall. Napster itself, founded in 1999 by Sean Fanning while a student at Northeastern University, grew out of a concept that was already in place, that of what was called ripping music from CDs, putting them into a standard digital format, and then distributing them via the Internet. As Mr. Fanning and others learned soon after, this was more than a bit illegal, distributing someone else's intellectual property en masse. But the concept has certainly grown and evolved, now made legal through agreements with companies like Apple through its iTunes service and the reborn and now legal Napster groups. What is actually unique about podcasting is therefore not the idea of downloading audio or video content on demand. What is innovative is the use of what are known as syndication feed enclosures, a technical term for the way these new digital files are electronically tagged with standardized information fields that tell Internet distribution services the name, creator, and size of the file, and allow for either one-time or subscription capabilities to what is called the feed. As an analogy, one way you can think of this is to consider the before world of podcasting somewhat similar to having a library with shelves 
and alphabetized arrangements of books, and the after picture having installations of card catalogs with multiple cross-reference identifiers and the library coding structure included. According to Wikipedia, the original concept for this form of syndicated feed enclosures was proposed in draft form first by Tristan Lewis in October of 2000, and then was adapted and implemented a little differently by Dave Weiner, a software developer who also was one of the authors of the RSS, or, quote, really simple syndication, end quote, format used for blogs and now for podcasts. The first demonstration of the concept by Weiner was reportedly on January 11, 2001, in which he embedded the RSS tags for a Grateful Dead song actually stored online in his scripting news media release for that day. The podcasting world took another giant leap later, in June 2003, when Stephen Downs demonstrated the concept of syndication of audio files in his Ed Radio application. Ed Radio scanned RSS feeds on the Internet for the presence of MP3 files, aggregated them into a single RSS feed, and then presented them for distribution out into the Internet world. In September of 2003, Weiner moved this along further with the release of an RSS with enclosures feed for a new audio weblog created by Christopher Leiden, a former New York Times reporter and NPR talk show host. In October of 2003, Weiner and others held the first BloggerCon weblogger conference, and in that meeting, Kevin Marks showed a software routine he had developed for downloading the RSS enclosure tags, plus a means to hand them off to Apple's iTunes service, and then in turn for downloading into iPods. Innovator Adam Curry met with Kevin Marks at the conference, and that launched the collaboration that eventually resulted in Curry releasing something he called RSS to iPod, a software script that took audio MP3 files from an Internet service called Userland Radio and allowed transfer of the files just as Marx had demonstrated. Next in the process was the attempt to create an Internet web interface for these syndicated audio files, and the first iteration of that was called iPodder X, released in September 2004. This later evolved and was relaunched as just iPodder and released as free software to the world. The name podcasting came much later, one of several terms suggested in February 2004, and eventually stuck in the industry. In September of 2004, Adam Curry launched an iPodder development mailing list to encourage further development both of the iPodder interface and the RSS feed specification that would enable a more powerful standardization of the tagging concept for audio podcasts. In October of 2004, the first articles began to appear explaining how to use this new concept, and in November 2004, what is believed to be the first podcast service provider for the Internet, Libsyn, was launched. In February of 2005, the first official podcast production company, Pwop Productions, PWOP, was formed. And in the same month, the first commercial podcast network, thepodcastnetwork.com, was launched. In May of 2005, John Furrier founded PodTech at www.podtech.com an internet site featuring programs focused on Silicon Valley and technology. And then, as I mentioned before, Apple Computer announced in June 2005 it would support listing and promoting, to an extent, podcasts created by virtually anybody and make them available and easily searchable by name or category. And again, our first Ternova podcast appeared six weeks later on August 11, 2005, as one of the first regular business podcasts listed on iTunes. 
Since that time, podcasting has grown dramatically with people all over the world listening to these syndicated programs. Forrester Research released a report earlier this year that estimated that in the U.S. approximately 3% of all U.S. consumers had tried listening to a podcast, with perhaps 1% of all consumers listening on a regular basis. The numbers from this study, which many have suggested may be a bit conservative, indicate that there are around 700,000 dedicated podcast downloaders who listen to programs on a daily basis in the U.S., and that these numbers will grow at an estimated 38% compound growth rate to as much as 12 million regular downloaders by the year 2010. What's being listened to? A major component of the listening is to what can be thought of as repurposed material from other forms, such as syndicated distribution of national public radio broadcast articles, the Wall Street Journal news summaries, and the Motley Fool radio series. Original material from amateur podcasters is actually more widespread than these types of shows, but they are typically listened to by much smaller audiences. Beyond the two extremes of repurposed mass media content and the amateurs is, however, a rapidly growing group of podcasts made by serious podcasters, both just as personal creative ventures as well as as adjuncts to businesses. Sometimes the content is still for a relatively small audience, but you can see many businesses now, both large and small, professionally creating business podcasts as marketing tools for their companies and as communications vehicles to their customers, sales forces, resellers, shareholders, and company employees. How do people access these materials? Often from what are known as podcast aggregators, who often search the internet for podcast RSS feeds or have the feeds provided to them directly for listing and organize the results in searchable formats. Some of these include Apple's iTunes, Yahoo's podcast.yahoo.com listings, the Netherlands' Podnova, and Australia's The Pod Lounge. People can subscribe to the feeds they discover and have them fed to their own computer for further listening. There's even a number of cell phone-based services such as Snapvine, which features our Stranova podcast, by the way, and thank you, Snapvine, which allows you to stream podcasts of your choice over the phone. Probably is something best done when you have unlimited minutes available on your phone and it's plugged into a charger, such as late at night or on the weekend in your car, but it's an indication of things to come. And how are they listening to these services? One of the interesting paradoxes is that, for all the hype of the name podcasting, a large percentage of listeners actually tune in by streaming the podcast directly from the Internet or playing them on their computer. Far less of these than you might think actually make their way into your portable music player or iPod. Part of the reason for this is that, for all the portability the iPod may offer, I have found, with my listeners at least, that ease of access by just streaming directly from the website is often just as good to listen to the podcasts, and in fact more straightforward than subscribing, downloading to your iPod, listening to them some other place, and then deciding to eventually delete the podcast from the iPod when you no longer need them portable. You can take them in your iPod with you to the car, and then play them via the car's own audio system, but even that requires some organization and planning to set up your listening, when many of us would just like to turn on our radio and listen directly. However heralded podcasting may be in the press as a great way to distribute audio and now video minicasts, many have complained about it not achieving any true commercial viability, other than, of course, funding the podcasting aggregators via their advertisers and the manufacturers of MP3 players and iPods. So much so that many businesses that truly ought to be considering podcasting are shelving plans to get into this. 
My opinion of this is that this is a very new publishing medium, and that this stage of chaos is a very normal one as people attempt to sort out what to do with it. Just as I believe was said by Marcel Proust in regards to writing as a career, in which he was, tongue-in-cheek, comparing writing to prostitution, for which I hope my listeners will excuse the reference, one could say that the transitions we will see for podcasters are, first you do it for yourself, then for a few friends, and then for money, my emphasis added. One of the first challenges of podcasting is that, just like in writing for the Internet, we're still learning what formats work and what don't. With Stranova, for example, I've learned that dialogue between two people is often more entertaining than essays like the one you're listening to, unless there is tightly scripted content to the material. Further, just as with any good reporting, telling a good story is also a key, something that many miss when they're creating their own works for the first time. Pure talking heads broadcasting is often no more compelling in this format than in any other. Structuring your podcast venture content is as strategic a decision as any you will make if you want it to go beyond being heard by just those few friends we just talked about. Another key to podcasting is that episodes are often not listened to sequentially like newspapers or magazines. So if you intend to build on content from one episode to the next, that is probably not the way your listeners will pick it up. They'll listen to one episode, perhaps get interested in that, and then check out other episodes. If you're weaving a network of conceptual thoughts, then, you need to count on people dipping into and out of the set of podcasts and assembling them both in quantity and in sequence however they like. A third issue is how to get your content to the listeners who will profit best by listening to it. On the content creator side, the problem was similar to you having a needle and screaming from the bottom of the haystack that, I'm in here, and could someone please listen to me? If you're a big name like National Public Radio or the New York Times and have podcasts, you can attract listeners who are already customers of another form of your content. But that's a big problem if you're brand new at any medium and expecting to be heard. On the listener side, the problem isn't much better. You're convinced there's something in that haystack, but have neither the patience nor the tools to investigate properly. In both cases, you work to promote your work as well as to place it through as many podcast aggregators as possible, but ultimately it's still about how to get someone to discover you. This is being aided to some extent by sites like Podzinger at www.podzinger.com where they actually search the audio content and index the actual speech in a special search engine. More of these kinds of engines will come in the future, but until then, another solution is to promote your new materials simultaneously on your website, through email lists of friends, and via blogs that, in turn, can link to other blogs. Finally, there's the issue of how to grow your audience, of which there are several concepts that you can use. One of the best is to constantly shift your topic areas, and a second is to invite guests on your shows who have very different communities they may attract to your shows directly without you having to recruit those new communities all on your own. This is, in fact, is part of what we help design for some of our own clients when helping them plan their own podcast strategy. So, with all of our own learning about podcasts, you might wonder, how is Stranova's podcast series doing? Pretty well by most standards, actually. We now have two regular podcast series, our original interview series, and we've added the one you're listening to now, Stranova Strategic Edge, in January of 2006. We'll be adding a third in September called Voices from 2020, featuring observations on the present from the perspective of the future. 
Plus, there is the possibility of others being added as part of our growing network of business podcasts under the Sternova brand, as early as October, in fact. And if you are interested in connecting as part of that, we, of course, would like to hear from you at ideas at sternova.com. We have released 33 episodes since our original bi-weekly program concept was launched in August of 2005, and we are consistently ranked very high on Yahoo's list of almost 2,600 business podcasts. As of this recording, in fact, we are currently listed as number seven in that list, which you can check out at podcasts.yahoo.com and click on the keyword business. We're listened to all over the world on every continent except Antarctica. Not quite sure why the penguins aren't listening, but we're considering some fish stories to expand our connections there. So with our podcast series, just as with podcasting itself as an industry, we're still pretty young, and like most babies and toddlers, we're still learning to crawl and beginning to master the basics of life. But we're making a strong impression, and just like the rest of you considering entering this, if you take the time to learn from some that came before you and invest the appropriate time, effort, and creativity into your own efforts, my guess is we'll start seeing some of your podcasts climbing the charts soon. That's our show for this week, and thanks for listening. We thank you for joining us for this episode of Stranova's podcast series. If you'd like to learn more about Stranova's business services and the topics discussed in this week's episode, please visit us at www.stranova.com or write us at ideas at stranova.com. Our program materials are copyrighted 2006 by Brad Redderson. And this is Brad Redderson inviting you to join us soon for a future audio program exploring where strategy and innovation intersect in business.